last time uh, when I was still at Cloud Mountain teaching there from the office space, I've been speaking about the centering practice, you know, centering in the four direction. It was a somatic exercise we did all together. And in order to fully connect, you know, with our own bodies in, in different dimensions. And then in the end of the, as a fourth dimension, we were connecting, you know, with our purpose, connecting with our purpose on an individual level. And also, you know, that individual level has also a lot to do with what's going on collectively. And through, you know, connecting, I think, with our purpose in this time of great transition on the planet, we necessarily also come in touch with our grief. And, you know, grieving is, is for us human beings, and I think there's also animals, you know, which have been witnessed grieving like elephants and apes and other animals. Because grieving, you know, is a process which allows us to digest and metabolize loss. And I think we are all witnessing a lot of loss, you know, going on, loss of dreams, loss of assumptions, loss of expectations. A lot of loss is emerging for all of us, I think. And being, you know, really deeply touched by that grief feels quite disorienting to me. As you know, all structures in our bodies, hearts and minds start to kind of disintegrate. And it takes a lot of time, you know, to attend to that disintegration to, it's like, it reminds me, you know, in the garden, if we are pulling out weeds, for example, then putting them in a heap, and then over time, with a lot of heat, actually, those weeds disintegrate and become compost and go back into the earth. And I think that's what we're experiencing now on a collective level, but also, of course, you know, on a individual level because this is this principle you know which is called experience coupling you know we are seeing something outside breaking down and then it triggers unresolved trauma also inside of ourselves which resonates you know on a similar frequency and i had an experience just recently when i was uh up in the Pacific Northwest after teaching there the day long in Olympia, one of the women took me into the forest to see the, the spawning salmons, you know, who have been swimming up their native stream as far as they could. And then we were standing there on the bridge and we saw these quite big, they're called ch chum salmons. They're about like one and a half or one feet foot long, really, really big fish for, for my experience coming from Austria. I have never seen big ones like that. And they are swimming and swimming upstream and until they are, can no longer swim because the water is so sh shallow, 
and they are sticking out half, you know, from the water, and then they are wiggling their bodies and making uh, a hole into the gravel to put the eggs in, which then later get, you know, uh, taken care of by the males to fertilize them. And then afterwards, the, the female uh, salmons die, you know, of exhaustion because they have made all the way up this stream very, very difficult. And then you see dead salmons lying all over the place. And I had, you know, I've heard about spawning and all of that, but I didn't really think about, you know, I was probably assuming when they die, they just disappear from sight in some miraculous way. But it was pretty shocking, you know, to see so many big fish lying around and, and basically going back into the earth. It deeply triggered, you know, some unresolved karma in myself, you know, some unresolved trauma. And yeah, it was, it was almost, there was like a sense of disbelief and disorientation because there were these, all of these fish lying there. And then my friend, you know, reminded me, this is the time of feasting, you know, for bears and for eagles and for many animals who suddenly have this very good source of protein, this very, in a very easy way, they can just come and pick it up like from a buffet, a free buffet. And that threw a complete different light on what I was seeing, which so deeply shook me up. And then she said, she gave this introduction to me what's really going on. And then suddenly I, I could see it, but it took me some time. You know, it slowly entered my, my consciousness and I had to really attend to the trauma which was triggered because the trauma makes us small, you know, it makes us shrink up. It's, it's a protective mechanism, you know, which is part of our evolutionary inheritance. That usually, you know, when there's a sense of overwhelm, the trauma response kicks in and that's what happens. So I wanted to, you know, remind us all that this is a natural response. If things are breaking down, if things are showing that they are no longer working, that we have initially a, a sense of, of defense, a sense of turning away, a sense of shrinking up, a sense of not wanting to open to this. And then we just have to include that into our awareness, that natural response, this natural trauma response, which has its own intelligence and welcome it as you know, as a natural response, which can be respected and even, you know, even seen for its great intelligence. But then, you know, we need to go beyond that and allow it to slowly open up again and take in, you know, the next chapter of what is really happening. Because life never ends there is a it looks like you know we're hitting a wall and those big fish they are dying from exhaustion and then 
in the spring, you know, all of the fry, all of the eggs, there's a whole clouds of very, very tiny salmons, which make their way back down the native stream, back into the ocean. And then after one to three years, you know, when they have grown up, they come back up again to the native stream to again spawn and die. And it's a natural cycle. And it's very intense, you know, for me to look at it because I didn't really know. But then once I allowed that knowing into my consciousness, it shifted everything. And, you know, it doesn't immediately happen. It, it's a back and forth, back and forth. But through staying with it, <coughs> the transformation is taking place. And this is, you know, what this time is all about, I think, this time of transformation. You know, and, and of top on top of it, you know, those salmons, they they can live in salt water and they can live in sweet water. And when they are transitioning, you know, from the ocean into the stream, into the native stream, for about two weeks they are circling all together in a big group. And they are allowing the transformation to happen so that they then are able, you know, to enter the sweet water. And then, you know, for the fry also, when the fry comes down the stream and enters out into the ocean, for about two weeks, they need to wait for the transformation to happen, that their whole system is going to be recalibrated onto salt water. It's an amazing process. And it happens, you know, every year, every year, since a long, long time. And in a way, you know, that's what we are in, in such a transformation process where we have witnessed that certain assumptions, certain ways of doing things are dying. And we are shocked, you know, because some old trauma gets triggered. And what we can do is to include that also into our awareness not seeing it as an obstacle to being aware of what's happening, but to see it as part of what is happening. You know, that's going to lead us into our meditation. But just sensing our bodies, you know, how they are in a time of of disorientation, in a time of grief, in a time of loss, of dreams and expectations. And then, you know, remembering that we are not alone with this. Here's a whole group you know, of about 23, 24 of us. And we are all interested enough, you know, to 
work with what is happening so that we can meet here. It's a refuge, a refuge of Sangha, you know, in the middle of this transition time. And there's many refuges of Sangha out there, small groups, uh, small pockets of sanity who meet together and support each other in working with what is happening. You know, who no longer want to turn away because it takes too much energy to turn away. It's much better to just turn towards and use the energy for metabolizing, for digesting, for accepting, for allowing the process to show us the way. Just like the Salmons, you know, since thousands of years, they are doing this job. They are living a life of great service. And through that, you know, they are feeding countless other species and the whole ecosystem of a forest, you know, would be heavily impacted if the salmons wouldn't show up anymore. Then the bears and the eagles and all of the animals, you know, just on the brink of winter, they get a huge push off of uh, energy by eating this very powerful food. And through that, they are able, you know, to get through the winter. And I think, you know, if we can see ourselves also as part of serving this greater cycle of life, I think that can be really inspiring. And then at the same time, you know, noticing there is so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know. We don't know what is underway. We know some elements of it. And they are scary indeed. But we don't know the whole thing. Just when I saw the salmons, you know, lying there, many of them, like 20 or 30 big dead fish, I got really shocked. I thought, there's something wrong. It shouldn't be like this. And then after I heard, you know, what my friend explained, I knew, oh, it's, it isn't wrong. It just is something I'm not used to. It's I have never seen something like this. And then, you know, putting down judgment. And okay, you know, I'm I'm willing to stay open. Who knows? Who knows what's really happening? So you know, if we are able to become aware that we only know so much and how we can sometimes be really individually triggered by what is happening and that we shrink up and then feel isolated, separate, 
hopeless, helpless. If we can hold that in awareness, that's what it means, you know, to take refuge in Buddha. And then through taking refuge in Buddha, you know, we can allow to see more clearly laws of nature working. Not for our personal favor or benefit, but for the whole. And that's refuge in the Dharma. And then, you know, doing this together as a collective, this is refuge in Sangha. And those three refuges, they are really the foundation stone of the practice in times where we can't really know what is happening next to a much greater extent than usual. We never know. But if there's so much change happening, it is it is very scary to one part of ourselves. But then, you know, if we can take refuge and open and keep some space for the mystery and to be informed by life then you know it it there is a sense of inspiration a sense of purpose which can re-enter our lives but it would only happen, you know, after the, if we have done the grieving, have done the metabolizing and digesting of the trauma, which gets triggered. And then not with the expectation, you know, I'm going to accept it, that it goes away. That's, that's like not the real response, which does lead to more openness. We can notice, you know, that we have a version, but it needs also needs to be metabolized. So honor what we know is happening and also look if we can allow some space that there's more happening than what we know. And then, you know, be willing to receive that. And to be willing, you know, to allow the bigger picture to recalibrate our world, really, our worldview. That's what we need to do now. Our narrative, our worldview is too narrow. It cannot contain the truth, which we live, need to live from at this point in history in order to 
respond to the circumstances. We need to grow out of that. And we can. And we need to do it together and we need to do the grieving. This is so unpopular. You know, there are some of the indigenous cultures who have kept it alive, you know, the wisdom of grieving. Because it, we can't do without. That's like naturally part of the system, you know, of being a mammal. Having these mammalian bodies. You know, I think I don't know exactly from which time that comes, but I know in Europe, you know, that there, there were professional grievers, you know, what people would invite into the family home when somebody would have died. Would be women, of course, you know, they'd come and they would do the wailing, you know, and then they would take other people of the family into that wailing because they knew how to do it, you know. They would be a psychotherapist maybe today. You know, you would they'd get some money or some some food or whatever they would get and they come and they come into the space and then they start with the wailing, you know, because they know how to do it. They don't have this inhibition. And then the family members can join in and then they're just going through that breaking down, you know, of the loss, breaking it into small pieces, you know, through sounding, through the wailing process, the vibration, you know, would slowly but surely kind of disintegrate a layer of the old, which was no longer happening. And then somehow, you know, like compost, it was absorbed and was the source of new, a new life. Just like the, the, the salmons, you know, in the, in the forest. And if I, in my, in my triggered trauma state, you know, I wanted them to know they shouldn't die. They, they should just be alive forever. It's so silly. Of course, it won't work. But it needs, it needs the proper care. think that's what we need to do you know and that's what we can do together to give it the proper care to make it part of growing up in this time of the Anthropocene You know, learning to together to open to something new which we don't know yet. And that there's a beauty in that. Because it has happened so many times, you know, since the evolution of life on this planet. We've been speaking about, you know, when the fish were leaving the water and had to 
come up, you know, with some kind of digits or limbs. But that must have been so scary. Where the apes came down from the trees and started to walk upright. I mean, that was a huge challenge. But life somehow equipped those individuals, you know, to contribute their part. And it happened, didn't happen just in a lifetime. Deep time. And I think that's a way to take refuge in the Dharma, to take refuge in the laws of nature. You know, bowing down to not knowing and bowing down to that which do not which we do not understand yet. And you know, grieving is a way of bowing down. And making the space, you know, for the next layer to show itself. You know, being willing to learn something new. And, you know, yes, I do know things, do know many, many things, but there's also many, many things I do not know. And that's happening at the same time. So, you know, as we are breathing in, to just really connecting. With the body. And as we are breathing out, relaxing into the spaciousness. Sensing, you know, the gravity which keeps us connected with the planet. 
another planet which is the same as our body. Our body has a reason, you know, out of the planet through food and drink and heat all of the elements. And we are living at a time where there's new information coming through our bodies and our minds. And how those, you know, this new information basically meets the contraction of the old patterns. And this is a process of discomfort, loss, grief, and also great opportunity. You know, and opening ourselves to that is a way of giving thanks. Giving thanks to nature, bowing down and offering ourselves to be part of that recalibration, which happens from time to time And is totally beyond our control. And at the same time, it can be a profound practice. Profound practicing of the refugees of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. We simply don't know what's going to happen. But we can make ourselves available, we can work with it inside of our own bodies and minds and hearts. We're doing it as a collective. We need to come together hold this together.
it really, you know, connecting with the beauty of that vastness, you know, of this process which has such deep intelligence and isn't stuck, you know, on one particular species or one particular situation, but it's a much different approach than what we are used to. This hyper-individualism, this, you know, focusing on comfort. And forgetting the big picture. in order you know, to be able to attain to this inner turmoil and this inner you know contraction and disorientation to reflect on the bigger context can really help us to make some space, to allow space around our experience. And that allows digestion and metabolizing. And integration. And then through that, you know, the contraction starts to relax. 
you know, I am open to learn something new. There's many things I don't know. And then, you know, for the ending of the meditation, becoming aware of that which knows about how we feel, knows about our emotions, knows about the sensations in the body, knows about the mind state. This awareness, the knowing, this, you know, reflective capacity of the mind, which effortlessly know, knows what is happening. Like the capacity of a mirror to reflect any object brought before it. It doesn't have to do anything in particular. It just happens. And that's the refuge in Buddha. Knowing what we're experiencing rather than drowning in it or becoming it. And also inviting the blessings of our ancestors who have come, gone before us. Deep time, not only human ancestors, but also animal and plant and mineral ancestors. So that we can, you know, help to create the space for the new to emerge and for those who come after us, for Matteo and for Yasmini and for those who are not born yet. 
so that they have an opportunity to grow and embody this next layer of what it means to be a human being on this planet. As there have been many, many shifts over deep time. This is just another one. And taking refuge in awareness, taking refuge in Buddha, taking refuge in Dharma, in the laws of nature, and in Sangha, the community. That's a very ancient support system which is exactly what we need this time. What is known is, is kind of different in terms of its visual and other expressions, but structure is the same. It's impermanent, unstable, and empty of a self. So then maybe we can slowly you know, open our eyes as I ring the bell. But staying connected, you know, to your inner state, to your inner sensations, as you're opening up, you know, to the space and to others in the space.